Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. and podcast on June the 21st, 2012, coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Freehold, New Jersey, and Comac, New York. It is time, once again, episode 3.24 on the year, season 3, episode 24 of Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, the podcast, and we're live. And the thing with the whole mishpuka, we're going to get right into it because I listened to last week, guys, and I was rambling. Terrible rambling at the top of the show. So let's get right to it because it's a podcast. We're here to talk about sports, not uh, have me quote uh, lavish Broadway musicals. Okay? The dawning of the age of Aquarius. All right? The moon is in the seventh house. Jupiter has aligned with Mars. Peace is guiding the planets. Love is steering the stars. It's time for Ready to Unload Aquarius. And without further ado, as I bring the show to a screeching halt yet again, time to introduce uh, the co-host of the program, the Cal from Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, my partner in crime, my partner in crime, my partner in rhyme, Mr. Brian Calniva Calpino, Caliente Calniva. Ooh, that's nice. Appropriate for Calniva, too, by the way. That must be a producer thing. That must be a pro- uh, by By the way, Cal, I got to warn you, PJ's about to produce the heck out of this thing tonight. I just, you know, hearing him for 30 seconds, I got the sense that he's a little saucy tonight. He is, uh, he's a little... There he goes. Cal Neva. There he goes. Did you ever do any serious research into why I nicknamed you Cal Neva? Uh, not serious research. <laughs> did you do any lighthearted research? I did, I, I did a little whimsical research. <laughs> How did that go? Well, I know that it's after the hotel on the border of California and Nevada. Owned by? 
Frank Sinatra. Uh, right, that's right. I knew and that. Since my nickname was Stevie Hollywood for many years, in our familiar circles, because I'm like Johnny Fontaine, mm. you were a natural when we had to come up with a mafia nickname for you. You were a natural for Calneva. It's perfect. Now, was there was there another reason I didn't get that far in my research? <laughs> Or was that it? You mean that wasn't on, on Wikipedia? That wasn't on your that's, Wikipedia page? That's as far as it went on my Wikipedia page. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, there is no other reason uh, other than we were doing mafia-themed, sort of uh, familiar-themed names, and uh, Cal Neva seemed appropriate for you. And that's we it. got and we got uh, the blessing of Big Polly for that, too. So. Well, we did, yes. All nicknames start and end with uh, Big Pauly, uh, which I, I've told – I think I've told this story on the air. Maybe we'll tell it later because we have a lot to do. <laughs> but uh, the great story of how my Uncle Tommy became Big Pauly. Um, it's a fantastic story. So we might, have to, we might have to tell that later on. And then, of course, we all were given our nicknames within the right. family. That's a nice teaser, though. This fake mafia. I teased it nice. I, t I tickled the chorus there a little bit. And speaking of tickling the chorus, let's welcome in the producer of the show. Uh, he's actually working tonight, Cal. Well, he's producing the show. No, no. Besides, he's double dipping. He's doing double duty. Oh. You know why he can do double duty, Cal? Because he's the best producer in the business. That's right. Look at this, he's even playing his own intro music. I didn't even have to do it. It's a little low, by the way. Make it a little louder. You're a little low. <laughs> he's not even supposed to be here tonight. <laughs> Let's welcome to the stage Derek Smoles. He wrote this. No, uh, it's Bishop PJ, pop culture variety. Hi, Peach. Blessings unto you and Calvi. Thank, Thank you. Are you all prepared to talk about this Joe Madden... Uh, Davy Johnson rift and the unwritten rules in baseball. Uh, David Jones just passed away, didn't he? Davy <laughs> David Johnson. And uh, I wear Steve Madden shoes. <laughs> manager of the Washington Nationals. That's not even a real team. They play the Globetrotters. That's correct. <laughs> that is absolutely right. There's, Nothing uh, gets past him. He is sharp. There's a a lot of hubbub, bub about uh, uh, what uh, happened, what went down when the Rays played the Nats the other night. We're going to talk about that in the big unload coming up in a couple of minutes. But, Pete, yeah. what, what are you doing tonight at IMG? Oh, it's Olympics fever over here. We're yeah, going is... a little bit crazy go nuts. Now, I yeah. see you on the, you're on the Uvu. It's actually working. Yeah, you see my halo and everything? I see the halo. I like the way you've lit this. Thank you. <laughs> you you look like you're at the Last Supper. Well, <laughs> it's, a, it's a little backlit, isn't it? Right, look at that. Cal, look at that. Right, right up above his head. Yeah. This, this is like my blood you drink. This is my body you more with the More with the musicals. More Thank with you. The musicals. Uh, you look like Mel Brooks holding up the plate over <laughs> over John Hurd's head in the uh, history of the world. Judas, have you tried the mold one? <laughs> Leave us be. What? You said what? You said that you wanted Jesus Christ. Yes. What? <laughs> you I you said that um 
it, it is Olympic fever, and we were going to do a fun load tonight, Peach, that ties into Olympic stuff. We're going to save it for the actual Olympics. Fine. <laughs> because it was about uh, how you can't compare athletes in sports that are judged as opposed to sports that are officiated. Oh, you know what? That's that's an excellent uh, topic there. Yeah, that's going to be hot action when the Olympics starts. We got a great fun and load I'll tonight. I'll be the judge of that. We got a great fun load tonight. I see what you did there. See what he did? The judge. Uh, <laughs> judge Reinhold. I made sure that was as unfunny as possible. See to it that that comes off unfunny. You got it, boss. You got it, boss. How about, <laughs> how about that appearance on Arrested Development by Judge Reinhold? Judge Reinhold was great. <laughs> Take it easy, Judge Reinhold. <laughs> Wait, what was it? William Hung in the Hung Jury? <laughs> that was the house band? <laughs> so freaking brilliant. You know what? Hats off to Judge Reinhold, too, for completely, you know... Uh, hey, make, you sport. Making fun of himself. Not a... Uh, good actor, boys. Rated, underrated, overrated. Does Judge Reinhold need to get more work, Cal? No, I think he gets uh, the appropriate amount of work right now. <laughs> you find his workload to be appropriate? I'll tell you what, though. As, as far as being self-deprecating and being a good sport, he puts Steve Gutenberg to shame. Well, th- that's very true. What is, Gu- what, what is Gutenberg's deal? Talk about a guy who, I mean, I'd get you were in diner and everything, buddy. Come on, Come on, though. Let's come with us. You know is Gutenberg mean? a little bit? Is he a little bit too serious? I think he's very. I think he doesn't like to be discussed only in terms of police academy movies. That's right. Or short circuit. I think he takes himself very seriously at this point. That he thinks who he is. He t- <laughs> That's a good one. Are we going to go with the uh, the grandma? Uh, oh yeah, those phrases are the best. Look at him; he's from Hunga. That one. Like we're around the BS table <laughs> with with all the gumas. We're and playing a little mahjong and we're saying yeah, right. these things. Yeah, there's one that I can't say on the air, but it was bandied about quite often about something about her. Uh, she thought her crap was ice cream. That was a big one. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Well, but that's when they were getting a little, you know, raw, working blue. <laughs> this this one, right? They're always one. referred to as this one. This one. Yeah. This one. It's like that that scene in Goodfellas when they're uh, having the beauty uh, day, like the spa day at What's Her House, and Karen's like, uh, you know, like her head is spinning or whatever, and all the women are talking. That was like a family party in my family. You know, she's no angel. You always make them out to be such angels. She's not depressed. She's not tired. She's drunk. <laughs> I'll never forget one of my first my first actual professional acting gig in New York was a off-Broadway show called Aunt Chooch's Birthday from the makers of Tony and Tina's Wedding because everybody needs more of that I think Cal you may have even come to see that I was at that one yeah you yep. you, you did um, and, good friend uh, couldn't get uh, me to go to that no we were not friends then no, and barely friends invited, now. I would not invite it to your wedding. <laughs> so how far have we come, really? Right. We make fun of each other a lot easier now. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, that's all A lot it more is. open. Um, 
and one of the women in the cast who played uh, my uh, aunt in the cast is in that scene in Goodfellas. She's a uh, very heavy set woman with dark hair, and she had like three lines. Oh. And uh, one of them is uh, one of them is the woman is in a house coat every day. <laughs> Such a great line. <laughs> and this, what is it with the house coat? Uh, my grandmother, I, I. That's my everyday recollection. I was cooking with the little house coat, cigarettes in one pocket, tissues in the other. We refer to it as a schmata. Is that right? Yes. Nice. Now, did yeah. did they have? Did your grandmother have a personalized one? No. Uh, Just flowery. Right. Well, my grandmother had several, but the special occasion one had Irene in script, like it was Laverne on the on the on the shoulder. <laughs> That was Embroidered. the special one. Yeah, she was making meatballs nice when that thing was on. When did they go away? When did they disappear? I don't, I think... don't know. They haven't. No? Well, with that set. But I'd like to see, like, Teresa in one. <laughs> how, do I get my, how do I get my wife to start with? What? They're, they're not bad. They're not, they're not moo-moos. Go ahead. You ask her. My, my grandmother was a very slim lady. Anyway, this woman was uh, in that movie, and she said it was the greatest day shooting of her life, like shooting with Scorsese and stuff. And he I can said imagine. He, wow. He was wonderful to everybody there, and it was just like a, this wonderful day. And she's forever – I was quoting that movie while we were, like, rehearsing. She's like, I'm in that movie. <laughs> That's great. pretty cool. Yeah, yeah that was excellent. Uh, okay. Peach, we're going to need you later because we're going to be casting R.A. Dickey the movie. I feel like I should be going uh, online and seeing if I can order a house coat for yeah. myself, even. While we get into the big unload here, why don't you figure out what happened to the to the smart? What do you call them? Schmatas? Schmata. Schmata. That sounds vaguely like Yiddish. Nah. <laughs> <That's>... Not. <laughs> I'm looking it up. I'll be back on. I'll I'll look it up. You're very dismissive tonight, Cal. Very dismissive. Well, it's not. Listen, and there was never a drop of gravy on those things. No. With all the meatballs that were cooked, never a drop of gravy. Never a drop of gravy. Uh, how is that possible? Uh, it's unbelievable. Like I said, when the Irene one was on, it was the company was coming over. Does it come smelling like mothballs, or does that happen <laughs> just in the environment of the house? Uh, mine... The Yiddish word for, for washcloths. Oh, so it is Yiddish. There you go. See? See? Uh, but the the Yiddish and the Italian, uh, you know, the Jew, Jewish and the Italian, they mix together pretty good. Kindred spirits, I think. Yeah, they, it's it's the same guilt, different religion. I apologize for being so uh, dismissive. <laughs> it's not. Next question. You see what I did there? With the not, guilt? Not. Right. Good job. Sorry. I apologize for being so dismissive. If it was my fault, you know, what can I say? <laughs> I do sort of feel like you led me to that, but that's okay. That's all right. I'll just be in the corner, you know. <laughs> she you won't hear from me. <laughs> you won't hear me complain. She thinks who she is. That Gutenberg. That Gutenberg, he thinks who he is. And we bring it back full circle. Last, thing, you... last thing on the uh, Gumaz, though, Cal? one of my favorite things. My great-grandmother had all the old Italian ladies in the neighborhood, and they weren't related, but they were all called gumas. Okay. 
And there was, and some of them were related. They were, they were great aunts or whatever. It was Guma Tessie, Guma Rose, you know, all the, and when these women would get together, they, because they were such gossips in the neighborhood in Brooklyn, they all had call signs. So oh. like Guma Tessie was WCBS. Guma Rosie was WABC. My great, my great grandmother was WPIX. Like, because they were always broadcasting the news. I like that. So, you know, my uncles and my mom would call them like Guma WCBS, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah, I I love that. That's great. They, and you probably and you thought your family was a lot bigger than it actually was. Right. That's right. Oh, of course. Right. Yeah. And Guma Tessie, Guma Rosie, Mike Gumbares, which just meant he was from Bari, which I didn't know until I was way older. I always thought my grandmother was like, I thought Gumbares was like a, an Italian curse. <laughs> or like, you know, Goomba. Like, you know what I mean? Well, it's the way they say it, too. Right. Right. My grandmother completely butchering it. And she was saying, basically what it meant was Mike the Goomba from Body, Italy. Huh. Uncle Mike Goombares. You know him. The envelopes were always nice, Cal. Always oh. nice envelopes. Crisp. Was, did you have one of those? Did you have, a, a like, a great uncle that you would get the envelope and maybe it was five bucks, maybe it was ten? You never know. I, I had an uncle. An actual uncle that, that did that. Yeah. Yeah. You never knew what the envelope was going to hold. No, but it always had something in it. Usually the same thing, like you said, like a $5 bill. Right. I remember my uncle Sammy was, was great for that. We'd always He was a great uncle of mine, and we'd always get, we'd always get the envelope. Right. And, and Scott, my brother, and I would come running back like, what do you got? What, do you, what are we getting this year? What are we, is it a five? or Just a white envelope, plain, no name on it. No, nothing on it. Not even a card. Right. He had about 35 of them in his his suit breast pocket. Everybody got the same. Uh, Uncle Sammy. As as they would say. Hey, Hey, Gutenberg. Show's for you now. Why don't you make that louder? Why don't you make that louder? Are you trying to say it's too loud? But there's no blood coming out of Calvi's ears yet. But I noticed he had to pull the headphones off his head. What? Yep. Huh? (laughs) Cal, you are full of it tonight. Oh, I'm full of something. You are salty. How was your week? Everything all right? Good V. Ooh, it's hot out there. It's it's a scorcher. Hot. Don't you want to smack anybody who comes up to you and says how hot it is out there? Hey, I hope you fellas are beating the heat out there. Staying cool, I hope. Hope you're staying indoors. It's hot. Hydrate. Hydrate too. It's hot. All right? It's hot. Guess you what? Know, it's summertime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this, isn't, this shouldn't be a news flash. It's the first day of summer. It's hot. Yeah. And by the way, we've had like a ridiculously mild spring. Like we had like one hot day. Right. It hasn't been above 90, but for one day until yesterday. I can't believe this summer. I can't take it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, time for the big unload here on Ready to Unload. Last week, we were going to talk about unwritten rules in sports, Cal. Remember? I do remember that. And we left them in the green room. We left that topic in the green room with uh, Tiger Woods and Lindsey Buckingham. <laughs> we, we never got to it. We pushed them off the couch. Well, it worked out because now look where we are today. Now, now look what happened. Well, Let's let's get right into this because I've been 
since Dr. E. Ray Stad, our buddy, former member of the show, who has uh, has moved on. Well, he's kind of like the producer emeritus or emeritus. How do you how do you pronounce that? I think it's emeritus. Emeritus. I don't know. We would need our current producer to tell us what. what right. I don't know if he's going to want to answer a question about the previous producer, but. Well, that's a little, a little touchy. A little awkward. He also has nine degrees in his in uh, English. Yeah, and he literature. would know a lot better than us. Probably should know that. He's making an obscene gesture to us on the video. Right. As like you're to butchering it. the English language. Just yeah. move on. Yeah. Uh, yes, Dr. Eristat is a producer emeritus. Emeritus. And he suggested that we talk about this, uh, uh, you know, this fight between Joe Madden and Davy Johnson. Uh, stemming from the situation the other night where... Uh, who was it? Was it uh, not jo- Joel? Jo- uh, Joel Peralta. Peralta, not Joel Pinheiro. No, not to be confused. And not Johnny Peralta. And not Johnny Peralta. It's as if Joel Pinheiro and Johnny Peralta had a baby. A and he's a baby. <laughs> so he gets. Uh, so he's pitching for the Rays. He used to pitch with the Nationals. Um, uh, pitch for the Nationals. He's a relief pitcher. And he comes out there to pitch, and Davey Johnson asks the umpire to examine his glove. And lo and behold, there's pine tar on his glove, which is illegal. So he gets thrown out of the game. That's in the rule book. No foreign substances on your glove. This sets off a back and forth between these two guys that is magnificent. It has Joe Madden saying that uh, Davey Johnson doing this, the manager of the Nationals, Davey Johnson doing this is Bush League. It's ridiculous. There are unwritten rules. Everybody knows it. He pitched for the Nats before, so Davey Johnson was uh, somehow had like insider information. And guys should think twice about going to the Nationals or, and then playing somewhere else. And then Davey Johnson <laughs> responds that, you know, it asked if he has plans to meet with Joe Madden to talk it out. He said, I don't really know him. He's kind of a wuss. A weird wuss. He seems like a weird wuss who's on Twitter a lot. And so I better not get involved with him because he's got all his followers on Twitter. And he should read the rule book. It's pretty simple. And Madden shoots back, you know, about the rule. I mean, this is fantastic. Here, this is Davy Johnson's quote. I looked him up on the internet and found he is a tweeter, so he can get some more people than me. But it was interesting reading. But you can tell him I have a doctorate of letters, too. Mine's from Loyola in Humanities, and I'm proud of that. I love it. And they're just going back and forth. They're just going back and forth. He's sort of a weird wuss. So, a couple... couple uh, things I want to look at here, Cal. First, I want to get your opinion about the actual act of Davy Johnson getting uh, Peralta thrown out of the game. Knowing, well, no, no, I was going to say knowing full well he has pine tar on his gloves. Right. Well, I think I think we need to I think we need to back it up even further. You want to go back to two thousand and five? No, 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 no. Put, we, we need to back up the fact that. Peralta had pine tar on his glove. So the actual act in question is what started the ball rolling on this. So I think we can all agree that what Peralta did was against the rules. Is absolutely against the rules. Now, 
But Davy Johnson acting on insider information, is that right? The only reason he knows that Peralta has the pine tar on his glove is because he pitched for the Nationals. Well, is because somebody on the Nationals ratted him out. Ratted him out. There's and a that's, rat. That's the missing piece of this that's fascinating. Who was it? <laughs> Who on the Nats went to Davey Johnson and said, oh, by the way, if we're ever in a big spot, you can get him kicked out of the game because he uses pine tar on his glove. And does this guy have an axe to grind with Peralta for some reason? And supposedly it's not the first time that this sort of thing has happened either. Now you go back to – now I'm reading on ESPN. You go back to 2005, right? Joe Madden is a bench coach for Mike Sosha, okay? Mike Sosha, manager of the Angels, uh, uh, gets uh, – oh, I got to get it right. It, was, it had to be the White Sox because Ozzie Guillen called him gutless. Ozzie Guillen was still playing. Right? So it had to be the White Sox. I don't know. i got to go back and read it. But Sosha gets a pitcher thrown out of the game for the pine tar. There was a pitcher that – oh, no, no. Um, strike that. Sorry, I screwed it up. A, uh, Brandon Donnelly is pitching for the Angels, and they get him thrown out for having pine tar in his glove. And Sosha says that's an unwritten rule. You know, it's accepted. Guys do this. It was. It was – you know, Bush League, for them to call him out on that. All right, so, and Madden is a coach on that team. Madden is a coach on that team, and Peralta is in that bullpen. In, in 2005? Wow. He's a kid in the Angels' bullpen. Huh. So three of the four players here are, uh, are, or two of the three players here are, you know, involved in this incident where Sosha says basically the same thing that Joe Madden said. Now, Joe Madden's wacky. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But He's a little weird. He has a little bit of the, we invented the game to him, or I invented the game, or I'm reinventing the game because I have to, because I have no payroll, and because we've had to make do with what we have, and crazy shifts, and, you know, that's it. He's got a little La Russa in him. He's got, yeah, he's got a little I'm smarter than everyone type vibe, but he's he's not as, like, in your face about it. Some right. others, but it's but it's no. kind of like underlying. He also seems to be a very funny, you know, funny guy and sort of, you know, uh, self-deprecating in certain ways and stuff. I've seen him interviewed. He's a good interview. He's done a magnificent job with that club. I mean, how could you say he hasn't? But <laughs> this, this stuff going back and forth, he said the same thing as Mike Sosha. Now, Cal, is it – I know we're not in the locker room, but is that an unwritten rule? Are there some unwritten rules that guys should just accept, go on? Like pine tar above the label. You know what I mean? Like the old Brett, you know, the old George Brett thing with Billy Martin and stuff like that. Like you could find 50 bats in a bat rack that had the same amount of pine tar on them as George Brett's did. Right. It's just waiting for the most opportune time to call it out. Yeah, well, I guess I guess there's not a better time to call it out for um, for Davey Johnson since they're not going to be playing them again unless they're in the World Series, right. which is not out of the realm of possibility. Not at all. Teams. So he, if he's going to look for an opportune time, this is the really the only time he has to do it. Is it is it a problem that he did it? Hmm. 
I guess I guess it does kind of violate an unwritten rule. But the bottom line is what Peralta was doing was against the rules. So Davey Johnson is well within his right to do exactly what he did. And you can't complain about it because there's no, there's no, def- you can't use the unwritten rule as a defense as to not do it. Like Joe Madden. Joe Madden was trying to deflect all responsibility off Peralta cheating. Right. And, and he was putting it all on Davey Johnson and saying, well, you know, you just don't do that. That, that was his defense. It's an unwritten rule. You don't do it. But the problem is it was an actual rule that was being broken. And, he, and they just weren't – they weren't not – none of them were taking accountability for that. Right. One of the – I remember a show we did a long time ago. It might have even been summer of 2010, Cal, when we were first into the show. And we talked about A-Rod running across the mound. Remember that? Yes. Against uh, – what's his name? The 646 there or whatever. South Braden. <laughs> South Braden with his area code and all that crap. Right. Um, and somebody should really send out an APB for him, by the way. But um, but you know we went over this unwritten rules thing. But what A Rod did is not an actual violation of the rules. Okay, he's he could run across the pitcher's mound and kick him, you know, if he wanted to. That's right, and that's and that's a good distinction because putting pine tar in your glove is not an unwritten rule. That's a that's a, a rule, rule that's in black right. and white. But is Madden arguing, calling somebody out on it? Like Sosha said in 2005, look, it's accepted. Guys, do it. You know, if you're going to police all the guys, you know, the guy, and, and Madden said guys will police themselves. Right? You know, like it's, 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 even though it is against the rules, it's a violation of the rules. You know, Madden's argument is that it's accepted. It's an accepted violation of the rules. It's like pine tar being too high on a bat. Or it's like, uh, uh, you know what's another good one, Cal, that I thought of? Where the guy stands in the on-deck circle. Okay? Or where a coach stands in the the coaching box. That's a good one. Okay, the coach is supposed to stand inside the coaching box. By the letter of the law, he's supposed to stand inside the coaching box. I have seen many a third-base coach or many a first-base coach gain an advantage standing outside that box. Whether it's tipping location, whether it's uh, you know to to uh, a signal to a, a runner on second base that there's a pickoff play on, whatever it is, okay, are you going to call them on that? Like, that, you, you know, that they don't typically call them on. Right. Same thing with standing in the on deck circle. I mean, by the letter of the law, the batter is supposed to stand in the on deck circle or within a a reasonable radius of the on deck circle. Right, and you'll watch a game. A guy, you know, is is standing basically like behind home plate. That's an unfair advantage. You're getting a different look at the pitcher. You're not supposed to be getting. But you know, if, but if someone wanted to call another guy out on it, they're well within their right to do it because it's a they rule. Are but is it cowardly? <laughs> is it bad said? I don't know. If it's, I don't know if it's. I, I feel like cowardly isn't the right word. What was a? I'm, I'm, I'm. You're probably right. I'm going back, Cal, and think. Well, no, but that's what Madden called it. Yes. <laughs> no, Madden definitely did. I'm going back in my in my uh, my mental Rolodex, which is what I like to call my brain, 
And I'm thinking back to when you knew a guy was either putting Vaseline on a ball or scuffing a ball or something like that. Right? And and there's a situation with the Mets, and I can't remember when it was. I want to say it was 88, and it was Jay Howell. Yeah, he put pine tar on the ball in the playoffs. In the playoffs. And, and Davey Johnson called him out on it. on it. Right, he was suspended for the rest of the playoffs. Exactly. Now, you see, know what, that's, you know a, what, that's a spot where you say, right, gamesmanship, right? It's the playoffs. I don't know why I just said playoffs like Jim Mora, but... Because that's how you always have to say playoffs. You're right. Playoffs? Playoffs? <laughs> but he held on to that. They played the Dodgers 12 times that year. Right. He knew every game that Jay Howell appeared in that he had pine tar in his glove. Can I tell you, though, there's a, the, lesson, the lesson that's learned here uh, is because, you know, Davey Johnson did that in the playoffs, and he did it in this game against Tampa Bay the other day. The end result was the same. He lost both times. So <laughs> karma came back and, and smacked him in the head. Right, he lost the game both times, right. He lost the, he lost the playoff series. He lost the, the playoff Dodgers. series, right. But did you see Peralta was suspended for eight games? He was suspended. And Davey Johnson even said he shouldn't be suspended. I'm not looking to get the guy suspended. He should be thrown out of the game, and that's it. I think a suspension would be too severe. Yep. This, we can agree. We can agree on that. Yeah. This is, this is. I don't know him that well, but I thought he was a weird wuss anyway. Johnson said. I understand where he's coming from. His job as a manager to protect the players, but he doesn't know me from a hole in the hill. <laughs> Which, by the way, is that a new one, Davy? That we're going with? A hole in the hill. A hole in the hill. He combined uh, making a mountain out of a molehill and a hole in the wall, <laughs> and he put it all into one cliche. But he doesn't know me from a hole. I'm going to start saying that. That's fantastic. What does that even mean? Uh, or I him for that matter, Johnson said. But I do know the rule book, and I do try to follow it. It's such like a such like a. I'm sorry, it's a douchey. It's just so douchey. Oh, it totally is. Yeah, and then Madden comes back dripping with sarcasm. Davy is right. I'm incapable of reading the rule book. <laughs> and there's also reading between the lines in some situation that needs to be looked at too. He's been around long enough. He knows. He knows better than that. <laughs> the best is that Madden got into it with Bobby Valentine a couple of weeks ago, too. I know. He's just taken on everybody that invented baseball. I didn't know this about – there's another thing I want to talk about about this, Cal, and then we'll move on. Uh, but I didn't know this about Davey Johnson. I'm only finding this out now. I mean, I read you know, the bad guys won and stuff like that from his time with the Mets. And I knew he was a player's manager and I knew he was a guy who would go out and drink beers with the players and stuff like that and let them do their thing. And it's probably why Dwight Gooden and Daryl Strawberry developed Coke problems. He always but, looked the other way. Yeah, always looked the other way. I didn't know he was this uh, ornery cuss. Who, Davey Johnson? Yeah, and I've been hearing about this more and more as the Mets play the Nationals and the Nationals are good. So Cohen... Uh, Gary Cohen, Darling, and Hernandez are talking more and more about how that arrogance of that 86 Mets team and that 88 Mets team was more from the players. It was from Johnson. Like, Davey Johnson is that guy. And now the Natitude, which is a nice billboard they have behind home plate uh, for a team that's uh, has never won anything ever. 
but that's okay. They're trying to establish a new culture there. I'm a Jet fan. I understand what it's like. Um, but the the whole Natitude thing, Cal, is Davey. Davey. That's why they're saying he's a perfect manager for uh, Bryce Hall of Fame Harper and Stephen Hall of Fame Strasburg. You know, but I didn't know that. I didn't know he was this. He's a real sob that Johnson. I I that doesn't surprise me. Um, but I I guess the thing that we're learning is is that he's he's underhanded. In other words, he's not outwardly an sob. You know, he'll disarm you with that smile. <laughs> Smashing pumpkin. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But but it appears that he's you know he's sneaky and and he'll and he'll pull the ro- the he'll pull the wow I almost did the same thing he'll pull, pull he'll pull the rope out from under you the roll I was gonna say the the roll <laughs> he doesn't know me from a hill in the hole he'll pull the rug out from under you or he'll pull the wool over your eyes he doesn't know me from a rope in the hill he doesn't know me. This guy, great. this guy doesn't know me from a hole in the rope on the on the hill. He doesn't know me. He's making an ant out of a, a mole. Oh, sorry. An ant an ant out of a mountain. He's guy. making a he's making a mountain hill out of an ant hole. Alright? Enough. But the back and forth was pretty funny. Oh, it was magnificent. Oh, I love it. Uh, now, last thing on this unwritten rules thing, right? The last part of this that's fascinating for me is this, because <clears throat> I've, <clears throat> excuse me, because I've always wondered about this. Good radio, Steve. Um, <laughs> she should cough more. It's great. People love that. Um, Focus I've, groups usually uh, <laughs> come back with that information. They want to hear more coughing and uh, clearing of the throat. <laughs> so professional. Um, I have yet to inst- two two and a half years no cough button. Um, I've always wondered this about clubhouses though, Cal. When guys go from team to team, uh, with free agency and stuff, guys move around so frequently, uh, especially pitchers. But I've I to be honest with you, I've wondered I've wondered it most with performance enhancing drugs. Um, but what is kept quiet and what isn't? Like speaking of unwritten rules, like this guy moves from here to here. Everybody knows he puts an excessive amount of pine tar in his glove. Do you not talk about it? Do you talk about it? If you're Joel Peralta, do you tell anybody you're doing that? You know, I, I've always wondered about that. It's it's a fascinating um fascinating situation to me in that in the game you might be try or or how about stealing signs even? You know what I mean? Like the Phillies were accused of stealing signs. Does somebody go from the Phillies to another team and it cop to it? Or does that, you know, is that like muerta? Is that like, you know? What do you think? Do you think that stuff gets shared in the clubhouse? Um, I, You know, there's there's so much movement that you'd have to think that some of it gets shared. It's just unsaid, un. Again, unwritten rule. Like, you don't... What yeah, happens like, in Vegas stays in Vegas. Yeah, see, like, the thing with Peralta, I keep coming back to the fact that it, it had to be, like... Peralta must have must have owed somebody money that he didn't pay up on, and the guy was like, ah, that's 
SOB. I'm gonna I got some goods on him. And then he and then he told Davy Johnson, I don't know. Right. Right. I I I really do wonder about that. I as I said, I often wondered about it with PEDs, uh, but I don't think those guys share any of that stuff. Um, I I really don't. I really think that's you know they learned from McGuire and Canseco, you know, sharing needles or whatever. Well, well if they and if they do, it's it's yeah. really tight lipped, like of Clemens Clemens and Pettit. Oh please, don't get me started. And that's well, I'm just saying. We're going to talk about the Subway Series, and guess who I get to see tomorrow night? Pitch. Mm. Oh, my God. He's in George Steinbrenner's box. Does his white horse stay in the bullpen, or does it's, it actually <laughs> take him out to the mound? On the road, you mean? Yeah. Because it takes him out to the mound at Yankee Stadium. It does, right? It may come from the Bronx. They may bring it down. It'll be come down the Triborough. He's going he's gonna to ride down the Triborough on the white horse. <laughs> With a with an HGH needle uh, in his pocket. Oh boy! Well, only if he's hurt, because he only used it to recover. Here's my here's oh boy. Let's not get you know what. I, I, I'm sorry, but can open worms everywhere. Oh boy! I hate to go Chandler on you here, but <laughs> whoa, 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 which sister? Um, <laughs> that's a, actually a Joey line. Um, wow, boy, somebody knows friends a little. Well, <laughs> <clears throat> all I was going to say about Andy Pettit is this. I have been accused of late of bashing Andy Pettit because I am a Yankee hater. And if he was a Met, I would have no problem with it. That is patently false. Uh, does it help that he's a Yankee? Certainly not. I'll be honest. However... I do not accept Andy Pettit's apology, his reasoning, uh, or basically anything he says as truth. And frankly, I think he's doing HGH right now. Wow. Because he's 41. He had about three weeks of spring training after a year off. And he's throwing 92. Figure that. Figure that. He just jumps up on the hill and starts putting up zeros. Huh. Hmm. That must be some training regimen. Anyway, I, I uh, will boo lustily tomorrow night. Lustily. Did you think that, did you think that Vinny Testaverde was uh, taking some enhanced pharmaceuticals when he came back to the Jets? Absolutely. God, I hope so. He's a football player. That's all right. Those guys should be allowed to take, absolutely. For what those guys have to put their bodies through, if they can take something that's going to lessen the pain and make them more durable and and give them a better post-career because they are stronger, faster, and fitter, by all means. Now, of course, I'm not advocating steroid use. I mean, I think Lyle Alzado might have a little something to say about that, but he's dead. You know, I'm not advocating the use of of cycling for these guys. I'm just saying HGH for recovery purposes. Why not? For a football player, why not? These guys are putting themselves in 65 car accidents a day on on any given Sunday. Uh, I I think they should be looking into the 
uh, pharmacological ways to help these guys recover and help their bodies. I really do in football. I really do. I think it's entirely different. Interesting. Too much? Too soon? No. But you know I have what? a list of unwritten rules of society if you want to go to that. <laughs> well, we'll get to that later. What, Cal? No, I was I was <laughs> going to say, let's talk about... <laughs> Very outspoken about Andy Pettit. Yes. Um, But the elephant on the hill here in this room with the moles <laughs> and all the worms all over the place is uh, is Mike Piazza. Yeah. How do you where do you stand on that? Now obviously now he's never been he's never been he's never been proved that he used performance enhancing drugs. There've been a lot of rumors and speculation. How do you feel about all of that? Here's, as a met. Yeah, here's my thing with Piazza. If it came out that he uh used performance enhancing drugs, I would not be surprised. I would certainly be disappointed. But in my opinion, he didn't because he broke down the way he was supposed to break down. He was done catching by the time he was 33 years old. He was done. I mean, don't forget, Kelly retired when he was 35. He didn't have five, six twilight years where he can suddenly, still suddenly hit 30 home runs. He broke down progressively as he was supposed to break down. It's fair. You know, so again, would I be surprised? No. Do I think he did? I don't. I genuinely don't. I don't think there was any uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, substantial growth in his physical stature. I mean, you look at him as a rookie and you look at him as a a 30-year-old guy, he's built pretty much the same. He's a little stronger, but that's about it. It's not like he went from bonds to bonds. You know, but again, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me. I told you. I mean, we've talked about this before, Cal. Who are the two players that would surprise you? There's only two left. Cheetah Rivera. Cheetah Rivera, exactly. Cheetah Rivera was clearly using performance enhancing drugs. No one can dance like that. I don't believe that that would surprise me. <laughs> if it was her. No, Cheetah Rivera, the only two guys that would really genuinely surprise you at this point. Literally in all of baseball. To me. Pretty much. And Pedro. You know, I would put Pedro on that list. Yeah, I wouldn't put him on the list. I, I, he didn't, I know he didn't grow yeah. like the rest of them, but I, uh, and he also, surprise me. He also broke down, though, Cal, as he was supposed to break down. He did, but again, wouldn't I mean, surprise me. No. I would, I would, I'm sorry, I would put him there. Now. I, before, on, the same, on the same level as Jeter and Rivera? No. And, and Pedro Martinez? And definitely not on the same level as Cheetah Rivera or Carmen Miranda. Or any of the Latino... Or Charo. Now, Charo, well, we know what was enhanced on Charo. (laughs) Save save it for 11 o'clock. There it is. Early. Aye, aye. Tune into the Love Boat. Tonight at 9 on the Love Boat. And then on Fantasy Island. You see, Tato, she has come to Fantasy Island to let me put my hands on her huge on the love boat. They've been showing Ratha Khan a lot on HBO. <laughs> Montalban. That's that is uh Macho. Mas Macho. <laughs> so tremendous. 
That's Bill Murray at his finest because he's a total game show host waiting for the answer. Right. So the question is on this game show is Kianis Musmacho is the name of the game show, right? Kianis yeah. Musmacho. And the quest and and the, the concept is very simple. They just give you two guys and you have to guess who is more macho. <laughs> and it's Bill Murray as the host and he's like, uh, and it's time to play Kianis Musmacho. Okay. You know, pregunta number one. Numero uno. Kianis Musmacho? Fernando Lamas. And the contestants are <laughs> like the contestants are scratching their head. They're the thinking about it. Right. The music's playing in the background, and he's got like the index cards. And as he's waiting, he goes, "Quienes más macho, Señor Lamas, or Mantoban?" <laughs> like it's such a hard decision. <laughs> he's a professional, though. You can't allow the dead air, so he keeps right, talking. That's right. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. Oh man, so good. So good. Uh, and we all know the answer to that question. It's it's Ricardo Montalban, without a doubt. Of course. Um, Incredible. So, uh, Peach, before we move into uh, our next topic, uh, give us a couple of unwritten rules. You got a list? We got some unwritten rules. These, these are uh, users submitted to the uh, poll I put up, uh, the unadvertised poll. Nice. Where'd you put that um, up on the U face? I did it on the uh, the Reddit. You know, when I'm uh, collecting illicit photos, I also put out some questions. <laughs> okay, let's have it. Before after we do this, we're going to talk about the Subway series. You are all witnesses to the rebirth Subway series Mach Two, and uh, I'm completely comparing this to Spinal Tap, as in case you haven't picked up on that. As um, much like most things. Yes. You compare to. And then we're going to talk about R.I.P. It's either Spinal Tap or Friends with you lately. Yeah, I know. Boy. You know you know, you know who's not Mas Macho? <laughs> Sam Pete. Yeah, there yeah. he is. San Pedro. You can tell me whether or not you agree with any of these. Okay, let's have if, it. If you're on a hunting slash camping slash fishing trip, uh, under no circumstances do you show up with an unannounced friend. That's elaborate, first of all. <laughs> Who is this affecting? Well, in other words, I guess if you're going to meet your buddies in the woods, you don't bring an extra right. person. Who brought this guy? Right. Hope you don't mind. I brought, brought Sheldon from the office. Oh. oh Best weekend goes. ever. There goes the camp. Who <laughs> brought the knock? Uh, that is absolutely an unwritten rule that I would follow. I think you right. could take that a step further, and there are dozens of literally much less specific events than camping, oh, where yeah. you don't, where you don't bring you don't poker. bring the, yeah you don't bring the friend poker poker game with the boys right the bachelor party bachelor party a bachelor party you can get away with depends on I don't know I've I've seen and some, some oh please. Some loser side friends have been dragged into some bachelor parties that I've been at. Uh, absolutely, but uh, depending on the size, if you're at like a 25-guy bachelor party, nobody's going to care. Hey, my cousin Tony from out of town. 
and Tony winds up to be a douche. That's right. Listen, he hits women, but he should be all right. Just don't let him drink too much. Oh, great. This is going to be awesome. If you're bringing a guy to a ball game, make sure that the guy at least knows the sport that you're bringing him to. Oh, that way, huge, huge unwritten rule. Wow, that. is that a, is that against me? I just I just no. felt like the room no, got no. cold. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Jeez. If you're gonna do a sports show, get a guy on the show who knows anything about sports. However, your producer doesn't necessarily need to know anything about sports. Unwritten rule. Unwritten rule. There's also the urinal rule, which we've already discussed. Yes. Take the one furthest away. Unwritten rule, absolutely. Okay. If you sleep in somebody else's bed, make sure you make the bed. Absolutely. Right when you get up. Totally. Never touch another man's fries. Never touch (laughs) another man's drums. What do you think of those two? I have broken both those rules. Does that fall under the same category as like A and B? (laughs) Right. I've broken both those rules at the same time. (laughs) You A and B'd it. I sat down at a guy's drum set and ate fries. Oh. Is fries. Uh, Brian Stevens, poor guy. Terrible. I drank all his Diet Coke, too. That's, <laughs> that's, that's way too inside. Sorry. Always face, the, always face the door in an elevator? Yes. That's a, that's a classic unwritten rule. I wonder what that's from, though. I feel like that's superstition. Well, why, why would you face any any other way in an elevator? I don't know. Why would you have your back to the door? <laughs> Anybody else know. getting in that elevator might think something suspect is going on. You have your back to the door and you're in the corner. Well, you another know, SNL skit. Yeah, yeah they right. they did that with Schwimmer, a Friends guy, right? They kept they yes. kept effing with Schwimmer in the elevator. Right. Yeah. I'm sorry, I didn't come up with it quicker. My bad. Never return your friend's truck or car with with uh, an empty tank of gas. Yep. Can you get away with that with a family member? Well, it's all it's exclusively done to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> He's making all of these very personal. <laughs> I got a lot of things I got to get off my chest. Wait, this wasn't really a poll, was it, PJ? <laughs> no, this is just the list I wrote out. PJ's big list of grievances. Why does he have a scroll? <laughs> Who are you, Santa Claus? Later what? on, the feats of strength. <laughs> Go ahead. What else you got? I'm enjoying these. Hold on, I lost the. I lost the. the, the uh... Oh, uh, if I invite you over to, uh, for dinner, don't touch my grill. Wow, that's a that's again a very personal one. I, I, is there a danger of that? I mean, does well, that when, happen? Yes, some guys friends over, over, and then one guy decides that he's going to uh, commandeer the grill. Sure, that happens. I've seen that. Yep. Wow, very annoying. What the hell? Some set of bells on that guy. What are you doing? <laughs> What's going on, guy, bro? I got this. Some set of bells on that guy. I don't know. I don't know about that. That's a that's a definite unwritten. Yeah, I got that one. What else you got? There's got to no. be a dating. There's got to be a dating one in here, right? Or is that guy code? Are we are we going from unwritten rules into guy code? I'm not sure yet. Okay, right, we, you got to let me know if we make that leap. Uh, you must maintain at least five seconds of eye contact with a woman before you can. Uh... 
Look at other parts. Right. That's fair. Let's see. That's the Emily Post unwritten rule. Here's a fun one. Jazz musicians and or fat chicks with Camaros always have the best weed. (laughs) (laughs) I think I've got to end it there. Uh, don't Don't bring a camera to a bachelor party. Oh, great one. That's a great place to end. That is the ultimate unwritten rule. God, can you imagine if one was at mine? Holy. I don't know. I wasn't invited to yours. <sighs> Doesn't matter. You heard. Yeah, I know. Moving on. To quote you, well, we weren't friends then. Right. Let's put a little salt on the wood. All right. That's moving fine. on. Wow. This is getting uncomfortable. I never liked you. <laughs> I never accepted you. I'm not now proud I, of you. Now you're my father. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Still waiting for you to be a man. My father is not Robert Loggia. We're not doing that again. <laughs> we're not. We're not doing it again. All right, you. You. Uh, let's talk about the subway series, Cal. Okay. PJ has a. Up. Uh, oh. Is that is that a subway? That's the time in the subway. I brought a microphone oh. to the subway. <laughs> wow! If I leave that on for the whole thing, can can you guys just talk over that? I got twenty five minutes of it. Nineteen forty radios hour. Nineteen forty radio hour back again. <laughs> Steve, your face was priceless when you realized what it was. The shadow knows. <laughs> Next thing they know, they were on the elevated train. <laughs> Bing, bong. <laughs> Come back here, he shouted. <laughs> Worst uh, radio show ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. That that show is quickly canceled. Quickly. Brought to you by Lifeboy Soap. <laughs> quickly canceled. <laughs> they, had one, they had one sound effect. It was the subway. That was it. <laughs> they had to run it for the whole 15 minutes of the show. What do you mean we have to write everything as if it's in the subway? What are you talking about? We only have one sound effect. Subway stories presented by Ovaltine. Ah, <laughs> uh, is this your train, ma'am? Is is this is this the local? You're killing me. <laughs> All right. Subway Series. Mets. Yankees. Part two. Part two. The Mets have had the strangest uh, four game or four series here, Cal, uh, ever. This is bizarre. They've either swept or been swept their last 12 games. Uh, there's a lot of emotional up and down here. I know. They, uh, they get uh, – I just – I can't. I can't. I don't know what to make of it. But oh, season's over. Oh, they're back in it. Season's over. Ah, <laughs> oh, they're resilient. That's exactly what it is. Season's over. They're awesome. Season's over. They're fantastic. Uh, they come into the Subway Series again, six games over 500. Um, having just swept the Baltimore Orioles, fantastic pitching performances by Dickey. Uh, ridiculous. Uh, Johan, Santana, and uh, Dylan G pitched a really good game yesterday, Cal. The Yankees had won 10 in a row before lo- losing these last two straight to the Braves, so they are still uh, en fuego. 
and and of course they swept the crap out of the Mets. Uh, you know, uh, in that three-game series, it was a very demoralizing three-game series. A walk-off win with uh, Russell Martin. Uh, <laughs> Does this go up to Utica? Say, pal, can you spare a nickel for the Tribune? <laughs> Does anybody know if this line ends in Rockaway? I'm going to go to the beach and walk into the ocean. Um, as You know, as demoralizing as it was, though, the last series? Yes. It was a lot closer than, than the results bared out. Well, other than Friday night. Well, other than Friday night, but the Mets could have won two of those games. So, you know, you, you get swept in that series, and it's awful and demoralizing, but you still have the knowledge that you could have won two of those games. So yes. I don't think they head into this weekend intimidated by the Yankees. No, I don't think so at all. And I also think that they're excited to get the Yankees in their ballpark and, and get it out of Yankee Stadium. Because let's face it, a couple of the home runs that were hit during that series would be, uh, wouldn't have been out of uh, Roberto Clemente up in the Bronx, let alone City Field. Um, I, I Looking at this series, Cal... You know, we did the whole tale of the tape for the last one, and I jo- yeah. I jokingly said Yankee sweep. Yeah. And uh, and they did. So let's not do this. <laughs> but I I will say this: the pitching matchups are very intriguing to me. Nice first Pettit again. Mm-hmm. P- part two. Um, uh, tomorrow night I will be there. Now, this is my first Met-Yankee game in probably five years. Probably five years or four years. I want to say my last Met-Yankee game was at Shea. That's got to be 08, right? At least, yeah. No no sooner than 08. I stopped going to Met-Yankee games uh, because it was just too much. Now, I I was at the Clemens-Piazza game. Not the beaning. I was at the Grand Slam. You, um... In Yankee Stadium. Your, uh... Your recollection of your last game, last Subway Series game, is incorrect. Okay. We... Oh, dear. Did we? Along along with your lovely wife, who was not your wife at the time, but pre-marriage, attended uh, the A.J. Burnett game. At City Field. You are correct. In 09. In 09. That's right. So that's yeah. the last... And, that, and that's my last Subway Series game, too. As we, as we prayed that he wouldn't no-hit the Mets that day. Right, because he, he took one into the fifth or the sixth fifth inning. Fifth or the sixth, yes. Right. And they, were, I, and, and they were launching balls all over this cavernous park. That's right. <laughs> they, were making, they were making it play like Williamsport. Right. Yeah. That's great. That was uh, the last one. Uh, I was at the, as I said, I was at the, the, that was probably the, I was at the Matsui two home run game mm-hmm. against you the met, Yankees. I'm sorry, you said that they you were at the uh, the Clemens Piazza game? The Grand Slam game, not the Beaning game. Okay. At Yankee Stadium, last row of the stadium. I think I was there too with, um, well, were you there with our buddy Nello? No. no. Then I was. Yes, I was there with other people. 
just leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I, 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 I've been to my fair share. I would say I've probably been to five, six, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, I was at the first one at Yankee Stadium, the Maliki game. No. Yeah. How is that possible? We've never talked about that. I th- we probably have. On these airwaves, we have not. Not on these airwaves, no. I was at the very first Subway Series game in 1997. You do realize that all our conversations before we started doing this radio show don't really count. No, none of them were recorded. Right, that's correct. So even though we've known each other since we're both eight years old... It doesn't matter. Doesn't count. We have uh, a lot of catching up to do. That entire sticker book conversation from 87... That'll be on an episode sometime in August. <laughs> Stay look, tuned. Look for that on the box set. <laughs> that's uh, on the director's cut. I that's think. right. That's right. What do you, I can't believe I got another gold Bill Buckner. It's ridiculous. Do you remember the gold cards, Cal? I think yeah. I think Buckner was silver though. Buckner might have been silver. The Mets always had the worst gold and silver players too. Right. For like the early '80s ones because they were terrible. Until no, it was like Mazzilli. Mazzilli or uh, Hubie Brooks. Hubie Brooks and Neil Allen, I think, might have been a gold. Mookie was, for sure. Yeah. Mookie Wilson was definitely a gold. What Joel was... Youngblood. Oh, man. Played both ends of a doubleheader for two different teams. Sure did. Got a hit in both games. Got a hit in both games. 1982. Yep. Uh, number 18 in your programs, by for the way. For both teams, too. He kept the same number with my Got 18. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I like Joel Youngblood. He was handsome. Hard to not like him. Did you know that uh, Mike Jorgensen was uh, a local guy? Mike Jorgensen, local, meaning from the tri-state area? I think he went to St. John's. That's not true. I think he's from Brooklyn. Maybe from Brooklyn. I didn't know that. Am I thinking of Mike Jorgensen? Yeah, because... uh, I think he cuts your lawn. (laughs) Now, he went on to have a, a pretty long uh, coaching career, Mike Jorgensen, didn't he? For years, he was a coach. I think he coached the, the Cardinals. Cardinals. Yeah. Uh, anyway, boy, we're really talking about the Subway Series. Um, Slick Fielding, first baseman. Yes, number 22. Mike Jorgensen. Correct? He was number 22. Ooh. <laughs> so, so Cal, let's, yeah, let's get back to... Uh, yeah, PJ, PJ found... Uh, Jazz Odyssey from Spinal Tap. Nice. This is it. This is one. This is one portion of it. So it's appropriate to play this underneath whatever we're talking about right now, because it's not the Subway Series. We're talking about our Mike Jorgensen baseball sticker book cards. This, this is by Derek Smoles. He wrote this. Cal, PJ and I were talking uh, before the show about how great it is, how quickly they throw Derek Smalls under the bus for writing this. <laughs> <laughs> Michael McKeon's line, as they're playing this, uh, Mr. Derek Smalls on base, he wrote this. <laughs> and it's like this great, like, we had nothing to do with this. I just want to make it clear. Tap. That's great. This is so bad, Peach. Are you listening to this? This is so awful. <laughs> I don't think uh, uh, it's wise to perform uh, a, uh, a freeform jazz uh, exploration 
in front of a festival crowd. It's like 12 people there. Puppet show and final <laughs> If I told them once, I told them a thousand times. Um, so, <clears throat> back to the subway series. All right, so you'll be there. I will be there tomorrow night uh, with Big Pauly. Okay. And uh, we're very excited. Going to go do the batting practice thing, Cal. Nice. Uh, the gates open up two and a half hours early for this particular game. Usually it's an hour and a half. But they open the gates two and a half hours early. You can go in, see the BP, the whole thing. Uh, I'm I'm excited. I am very excited for this game. And um, I and I'm excited for this series. This series does ha- does have some juice. CC and Dicky on Sunday night, Cal. That you can't get a if if you needed to have a matchup between the best pitchers on both teams, you couldn't come up with a better one right now. Yeah. Now this. That's a perfect segue into what I want to talk about with R.A. Dickey and what I wanted to bring up with you. Uh, I caught this the other night. on, So we'll, we'll see what happens with the Subway Series. Both teams come in in really good shape. The Mets, again, with this weird win three, lose three, win three, lose three. What do you make of it? Are they just are they inconsistent or are they resilient? What is it? Both. <laughs> Four. Um I think it's a combination of having good starting pitching and a bad bullpen and having uh, relying uh, extraordinarily heavily on clutch hitting. And there's just games where two out, you know, clutch hitting is not there. They don't have a bopper lineup. Right? So they No. no. Uh, right, but they do lead the, the the they lead all of Major League Baseball in two out runs scored. And they've scored an inordinate inordinate amount of two outruns, a ton of two outruns. But if those hits aren't there over a three-day span, they're going to lose. Yeah. But their starting pitching is good enough that they're not going to lose five in a row. Well, and, the, and and you've been saying that for a long time this season. They've got Dickey and Santana, and that will stop any losing streak and prevent you from really going on an extended slide. And I, I give you all the credit in the world because you, you, you picked up on this theme early in the season before most kind of realized what was going on here with Dickey. You well, know? I, yeah, I mean, I got lucky, too, in, that, in the fact that nobody expe- – we both expected the Mets to be competitive. We really did. We right. started in March. We had uh, Ted Berg on the sh- – or uh, Patrick Flood on the show back in February – Ted Berg on the show from SNY, the guys from SNY.TV and Mostly Mets Podcast. And, Cal, we told them, if they stay healthy, why can't they be competitive? Why can't they be this year's Diamondbacks? Because they would have really good starting pitching. We've Nobody could have expected what R.A. Dickey is doing. I mean, what no. R.A. Dickey is doing is, is historic. Nobody except Omar Minaya, who clearly saw this coming when he signed him a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, nobody. Right, when he signed him for filler. Triple right. A to fill out to fill out the triple A rotation. That's right. That's right. But he, but he knew. Oh, he knew. He saw something. He knew that one day R. A. Dickey would have a stretch of games that rivaled Sandy Koufax. That's right. Uh, Walter Johnson. Walter Johnson. He would right. do something that no pitcher had done in the National League in over sixty-five years. <laughs> Nineteen forty-four. He knew. <laughs> and everybody, you know. He had a lot of competition for him, Cal. Right. 
you know, he, Ari Dickey was going to go to Korea to pitch for $300,000 or the Mets. Like, that's, uh, how, that's how thin Omar Minaya left the minor league system for the Mets, that he had to sign R.A. Dickey to fill out a roster spot. And uh, P.S., it was ridiculed up and down. It was a punchline. That's how bad things were. Right. That Omar Minaya had to sign R.A. Dickey to a minor league deal because they didn't have people to pitch at AAA Buffalo. But anyway. Sorry, we digressed a little bit. What I was going to say was, I don't know if it's... What do you think? Do you think it's inconsistency or do you think they are resilient? I, I, think, you know, I think it's both. I think, I think that this team has very good starting pitching. And that's, the, the starting pitching is, is what will keep them in the conversation for the majority of the year. Okay. I think the bullpen is what's going to prevent them. Both the bullpen as it, as it currently stands right, right now. Unless it's altered, right. Unless it's altered, I think this bullpen will prevent them from really making a serious run late into the summer. But the but the overall picture and and the and the one thing where the inconsistency plays in is it's a young team. It's a it's a group of guys that are learning to play at this level all at the same time. And we're finding out about them right now. So sometimes they come up big with two outs. I I think that there's a little bit of uh, they got a little bit of the clutch gene in some of these guys. I think right. Kirk Newenheis has it. Right. I think Josh Tolley has it. Yeah, they like they they those younger guys are not intimidated by that two out spot. And Terry Collins has drilled it into those these guys that they have to take advantage of every opportunity with guys in scoring position. Because they're not going to hit a lot of three-run home runs. Right. And they're not going to have a lot of six-run innings. Right. So with two outs and a guy on second, you have got to have a great at-bat and pick that guy up. That's right. But they're not going to, but they're not going to do that all the time. But again, exactly. That's Be- what because, keeps you susceptible. Right. But because, because they're a young team and they're learning, they're learning to play. They're not, you, can't, you can't definitively say what these guys are. You go around the diamond, you know, six out of the nine guys that are playing on any given night, you can't definitively say what is that guy. You know, yeah, you don't only, know yet. You don't know there's yet. Only, there's only a handful, and that and that's what makes it's what makes them so interesting. It's what makes them so frustrating because they're going to have these slides. But I think the one the one trait that they all seem to be exhibiting is that they are resilient, and they don't let the losses get them down. Right. No, I agree. It's a and it's a together clubhouse. That's for sure. It's a together clubhouse. I think they've got the right manager yep. to lead this group. He might not be the right guy ultimately when when these guys eventually develop, but for right now, he's absolutely the right guy. Yeah, and you know what? I, I'm starting to think he might be the right guy overall. Cal. He might be, and I like him a lot. I'm just I don't know for sure that that's the case. But 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 what we do know is that right now in this moment with this group. He is the absolute right guy. Yes, and it's working. It's working well. I have a uh, uh, a Yankee question, and then one more thing in the mess, and then I I really want to ask you about this R.A. Dickey thing because okay. I saw something on uh, the MLB Network the other night that really pissed me off. Uh oh. Um, involving Al Leiter and Mitch Williams of all people. Mitch Williams, seriously, seriously. But anyway, 
Um, on the Yankees now, 10-game winning streak. Uh, they have absolutely shut everybody up. I mean, without a doubt, they started hitting in the clutch. Uh, they're getting fantastic starting pitching. I mean, unbelievable starting pitching. Um, and we said that's the key to that team, right? We said if they were going to falter and have like an 85-win season, it's because the rotation has fallen apart. Well, Ivan Nova continues to be great. Andy Pettit has been a revelation uh, coming back and, and really solidifying the number two spot in that rotation. Nova then moves to three. Andy Pettit coming back and being viable, Cal, frankly, has made all the difference. Yeah, Because well, it, it it means that Nova can be a three. It means Kuroda and Nova can be that three-four combo. The pressure's not on Kuroda to be the number two. Um, uh, and CC can be the one guy, and he's got somebody to back him up. Again, you're not going to have long losing streaks. You wind up with Kuroda pitching against other teams' number fours. That's where he's much better suited. Hughes gets to pitch against other teams' number fives. Uh, and even though he got knocked around the park the other day, he's been very good the last month um, since he's you know pitching for his job. Obviously, pitching's been the key there. But dude, this, does this Yankee team run away and hide, Bry? Or uh, are are there? St- I still feel like there are enough flaws, uh, or there are several flaws with this team that I don't think they can go ahead and run away and hide. I think they're flawed, but I think they are. Right now, they're in a great spot. They're getting they're getting consistent starting pitching, which, which is the one area we didn't know if they were going to get. Their bullpen is getting healthy now. Robertson went down. Rivera went down first. Then Robertson went down. Robertson's back. Soriano seems to be thriving in that closer spot. He has. Yep. You know that that that's been a huge a huge boon for them. Yep. Um, and it's, they're hitting. Teixeira's picked it up, right? I mean, Teixeira's starting to hit. Cano Cano has gotten hot. I mean, right. They're hitting. A Rod is is starting to hit. They're all hitting. Um, I I don't know if they're going to run away and hide because I think I, I you know I got to tell you I didn't Baltimore didn't impress me in this no. three game series. No, but they Not but at they all. ran but they ran into hot pitching so so I give them a pass. But uh, and Tampa Bay didn't didn't impress me either. But those two teams are are going to be there I think for the majority of the season, which is going to prevent the Yankees from run away, running away and hiding. I think in the end, the Yankees are going to be there, and they're going to be, you know, it's either going to be the Yankees or the Rangers that finish with the best record in the American League. Yeah, that's probably right. You know, but... Uh, Cal, the, the, the Orioles don't have enough pitching to hang around, Cal. They don't. Yeah, probably not. I mean, if they got to go, if they got to go, if they have to go up against that Yankee lineup, Another twelve times with that starting pitching, there's no yeah. chance. I mean, they, right. they lose ten of those games because I mean, look what the Mets lineup did to them. You know, right. I, I mean, they just they just don't have enough starting pitching. They just don't. But Tampa does. Oh, Tampa absolutely does. I think what the Mets did was an aberration. You know, yeah, they, they just, I, I they mean, just I, happen to catch those guys on on bad yeah. nights. As Josh Lewin, the Mets radio voice, put it, they whipped up a number six on them. It was great. He wrapped yeah. Blazing Saddles. It was fantastic. They came into town, a whooping and a whomping. Um, all right, and then uh, last thing on uh, the Subway Series, and then I want to ask you about the Sorry Dicky thing. Do the Mets get two out of three here, and if so, why? 
Wow, Cal on the spot. Dun dun dun. Squeeb, squeeb, squeeb. All, all they need to do. <laughs> Play the subway again. Play the subway again. Hey, buddy, can you spare a dime for a GI down on his luck? Worst radio show ever. Now it's time for more subway story with Clive Wilkins. I read today, Cal, before we, <laughs> before I let you answer that, give you more time to think, PJ will like this too. Thanks. There was a great uh, post on Amazing Avenue, and I, I had actually known this, but um, it was nice to be refreshed uh, of this. Uh, Jack Kerouac was a uh, huge uh, sports fan. Obviously, he played football and stuff, and uh, was an all or could have been an All-American and stuff like that in football. And he invented a fantasy baseball league uh, when he was a kid, like in the 30s, the 20s and 30s, that he carried on into like 1958. And it was all, they have all his, he wrote up like, he made up entire fake teams, he wrote up like a newsletter, and he invented almost like a version of Stratomatic. Wow. He He had these cards. And he would play games with these guys that he, these teams that he made up, like the New York Chevys. Like one year he had all cars in the league. I mean, it was, it, check it out on AmazingAvenue.com. Uh, I think it's AmazingAvenue.com, right? Without the G. Without the Amazing. G, right? AmazingAvenue.com. Great write up about Jack Kerouac's fantasy baseball league. And some of the names are stupendous. Stupendous. They're just these great, you know, like Chase Romero. They're just great names. And the name of his, he wrote like a, like a, would be like a newspaper almost for this league that had like updates on players and stuff like that. And it was called the Daily Ball. I, I love, that's my fantasy team this, this coming next year, without a doubt. The Daily Ball. The Daily Ball. I like that. That's that's inventive. Yeah, notes. It's but you know who would have thought you know the leading author of the Beat Generation right would be this you know uh, you know you you want an, another piece of trivia about uh, Jack Kerouac Cal? In his last years, he lived about six blocks from where you live right now. Where? In East Northport. Get out of here. Yep. He lived off Greg. He, not on Greg, but right around Greg Lynn. That's very interesting. I yep. did not know that. Yep. His mother had a house there, and I think that's where he lived when he passed away. Very Uh-oh. young. Very young when he died. Right. But, uh, yeah, he lived He lived in East Northport on Long Island. That's... Like, like about five minutes from where you live right now. That's literally like across, across the street. <laughs> exactly. I know. Jack across, Kerouac. Yep. Jack Kerouac. Wow. So PJ, as PJ well knows, my favorite author was also a uh, had invented the first fantasy baseball league. Huh. So, back to my question. Cue the subway soundtrack. Tell me, Cal, who do you like in the big series? Do the Mets take better three? And if so, why? I think they can. Okay. I don't think they will. <laughs> okay. I think, gonna, I think they're going to win one. So they will not get swept. 
I don't I do not see them getting swept. I certainly don't see them sweeping the Yankees to even the score. You don't like the Chris Young Ivan Nova matchup for tomorrow? I don't I don't care much for that matchup, no. That's fair. I don't. I also think that uh the Dickie might be a little due. Ah, uh, see. I think he might be due. That's why I, I now he might not be and I, it just wouldn't surprise me if 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 they knocked him around a little bit. Don't you love how uh Mike Frances is building this up by the way? Right, that it's the biggest game. Right, and and who doesn't want to see Dickie against the Yankees and right, you know, building it all up so that if the Yankees knock him around, he can he can he'll really have a party with it. Well, you know, you you puff out your chest. <laughs> you walk around, you puff out your chest. If he, yeah, if the Yankees do beat, ooh, I like well, this. What is this? Is that still Jazz Odyssey? God, it's awful. Derek Smalls, he wrote this. But he's building it up, so... For the fall. Of course he is. Because that's what he does. And, I mean, if he has said it how many times this week, R.A. Dickey is the best pitcher in baseball right now. So that if the Yankees get to R.A. Dickey, then, then you know, the vaunted Yankee lineup has right. beaten the best pitcher in baseball. Which brings me to what I want to ask you next. Really well done, by the way. That's called a blind segue in the pit. Uh, it would have been better done if you didn't point it out. That's probably a good point. Right. I think you telegraphed it a little Right, right. And also, I made up the blind segue thing. No, that's a real thing. Is it? No. <laughs> Nobody says that. He doesn't know me from a hole in the hill, Cal. I still can't. <laughs> I want to hear what other cliches, like really easy cliches, Davy Johnson is screwing up. <clears throat> like what else? What else could be in there? There's got to be other really easy ones that he's messing up. Like a bird, a bird in the basket is your two in the hand. Oh please, forget about that. That's that's well beyond it. Uh, a stone throw away from the bird in a handbasket, and it's gone to hell as well. Hell in a hand truck. <laughs> the, hell, <laughs> the hell in a handbasket. The hell in a handbasket. That is the, the greatest uh, single sports team made up sports team name in the history of. <laughs> oh boy. I, uh, so, Mitch, so Mitch Williams and Al Leiter. Yes. So the other night I'm watching uh, MLB Network after Dickie twirls uh, his second uh, or his uh, second consecutive one-hit effort, not been done in the National League since 1944, done in the American League in 1988 by Dave Steeb. Uh, he has struck out in those two games. He has given up two hits in 18 innings, struck out 25, and walked two. Uh, he is currently 11 and one with a two ERA, 103 strikeouts in 99 innings. I think he only has what 47 walks. It's not even. But he has he only has seven walks in his last seven starts. Right, in his last six starts, his ERA is 0.18. Right, he's given up one earn one earned run in that time. No, 
Oh, one earned run and six one, starts, right? Right, one earned run and one unearned run, R- which um, cost him that's the streak. Which cost him the scoreless streak. He's been. Uh, it's beyond dominant. Again, I I I feel like I have to go back to Dwight Gooden in '85, uh, to uh, Pedro, but I didn't get to watch that every day with the Red Sox in what was that '99? '99, yeah. Um, you know, we didn't get to see Seaver, you know, at the height of his powers. So really, all we have to compare this to is Doc in '85, uh, as Met fans. Um, you know, getting to see it every day. He is clearly the best pitcher in baseball right now. Clearly. Clearly. By any measurable, he is the best pitcher in baseball right now. You can go through every... He leads the league in strikeouts. He leads the league in ERA. He leads the league in wins. He's second in the league in whip. He's He's the best pitcher in baseball. Right now. But not if you ask Al Leiter, and not if you ask Mitch Williams. They'll just tell you he's pitching very well. But he can't be the best pitcher because he throws a knuckleball. That's their reasoning. Can't be the best pitcher in baseball. He's a knuckleballer. Cal, this this parlays into our... Uh, having to listen to callers call up WFAN and say that he's scuffing the ball, he must be cheating. You had or, you had one genius who said they should outlaw the knuckleball because it's not fair. It's not fair. It's baseball. It's not fair. Uh, okay, you know what? They should also outlaw guys who can throw 95 miles an hour. That's not fair. How come they could throw so hard? It's not fair. They should outlaw the fastball. It's not fair. Certain guys can throw it faster than other ones can. Not fair. All right. The idea that this is somehow... That that because he throws a knuckleball, primarily, okay, that he's not any less of a pitcher than Steven Strasburg or Justin Verlander or whoever is ridiculous. Ridiculous. In fact, one could argue what he's doing, throwing a knuckleball and not walking anybody, is unheard of. He has seven walks over those seven games. Charlie Huff used to walk seven guys in a game. So I I, I, I was livid, Brian. Livid. This notion that somehow he's less of a pitcher because he doesn't throw 95 miles an hour and because he's getting guys out with a knuckleball is stupid. Sorry. It's ridiculous. Well, it's stupid only in the fact that he has reinvented a pitch. He has completely taken a pitch and revolutionized it. He's doing something that no man has. He's throwing a a, a a a pitch like nobody else has thrown a pitch before in the history of this game. Correct. So if they want to use the argument that he it's not you know you can't call him the best pitcher in baseball because he's a knuckleballer. 
He's a knuckleballer by name, but what he's throwing is not is not like any knuckleball that's ever been thrown before in in baseball. And not only that, who cares? He's getting people out at a, at a ridiculous rate. And you're right; he absolutely is <clears throat> reinventing a pitch. Absolutely. That's not hyperbole. That's not hyperbole either. No, he, he literally has, is throwing the knuckleball completely different. It, absolutely. Uh, Patrick Flood, our buddy over at PatrickFloodBlog.com, wrote about eight thousand words on R. A. Dickey uh, the other day, and it's a great read. If you have thirty minutes or so that you're going to be on the can, <laughs> something check out PatrickFloodBlog.com. He wrote everything you want to know about R.A. Dickey as far as the knuckleball and what he's doing and blah, blah, blah. You're right. He is doing something completely inventive. But this, this to me, is more about a guy like Al Leiter, a retired pitcher, or Mitch Williams, who threw 99 and had no friggin' idea where it was going. And by the way, Joe Carter's ball hasn't landed yet, Mitch. Okay? Good job. Way to close that one out. Way to be the only guy who ever gave up a series-ending, World Series-ending home run. Congratulations. Oh, wait, that's not true. Mazarowski hit a series-ending home run, didn't he? He did. Then what is Joe But it was Game 7. Joe Carter's is Game 7? Joe Carter's was Game 6. 6. Why is Joe Carter's distinctive, then? It's distinctive for a reason, other than it, it being it ended the series. I think because it's game, it was game six. Because I think um, Mazeroski's was game seven. It was game seven, and the series and the season series was going to end one way or the other. Right. I think the other thing was wasn't Joe Carter's? Weren't they down a run? Whereas Mazeroski's, the game was tied. Well, Mitch Williams is the only one to do it in a in another country. Want <laughs> <laughs> to find, find something? In in any case, how did that ninety nine mile an hour fastball look going out? It you know what you you, you bring I'm up a very, I don't. you bring up a very good point. It kind of reeks of jealousy. And they they said he shouldn't start the All Star game, Cal. Oh, I don't think that's a outlier. I don't think that's a no brainer. I mean, he's pitching very well. He's not the best pitcher in baseball. Well, well, who is? You can make you can make an argument for a number of other pitchers. You can. It's not a no-brainer that R.A. Dickey is the best pitcher in baseball right now. It's not. I'm sorry. How, the guy just threw back-to-back complete game one hitters. Yeah, he did, and and he is in the conversation. And you wouldn't be better than that. Matt Cain is pitching better than that. Is not pitching better than that, but Matt Cain is pitching at the top of his game. Steven Strasburg, Gio Gonzalez, they're all pitching at the top of their game. And you're not wrong if you want to say that Dickey is the best pitcher in baseball right now. You're not wrong, but it's not a slam dunk. The there only, are a lot of other pitchers that are pitching well. If Steven Strasburg had done what R.A. Dickey has done over his last seven games, the the, the fetting wouldn't stop. Yeah, true. It's because R.A. Dickey is a journeyman pitcher who throws a knuckleball. And... Al, I need 117 pitches to get through four innings. Lighter doesn't consider that to be a pitcher. He's a gimmick. Yeah, well, guess what? That gimmick is doing something you've never done. I don't ever. think it's a gimmick. I don't think it's a gimmick either. I'm saying, Cal, that's how he's viewed. By right. The- 
as a matter as a matter of fact, uh, by the by the definition of the word pitching, that's exactly what he's doing right now. Yeah, it does. It, it doesn't take much to be able to throw a ninety-seven mile an hour fastball by somebody. Ask Bobby Parnell. Right, and we, you know, I was having this conversation with my father the other night. Um, you take a guy like Steven Strasburg, who's twenty-two years old, and can throw a hundred miles an hour. You got to give a lot of the credit to the catcher in his scenario because the catcher is the one that's directing Steven Strasburg on where to throw the ball and how to pitch and what kind of pitch to throw. R.A. Dickey is just, he's got two pitches. He's throwing a knuckleball or he's throwing a fastball. And he's the one that's throwing it, and, and Josh Tolley or Nicky is the catcher. Is, is, he's, you, know, you don't put up a target. You're a catcher, you know. As a, if you're catching a knuckleball, you're not putting up a target for the ball to hit you. You've got to follow the ball. So, in a sense, they're following Dickey's lead. Dickey is the one dictating the game. In a Strasburg case, the catcher is the one dictating the game. So what Dickey's doing makes it even more of a pitching performance and not a gimmick. And he, as, as absolutely true. Great point, Brian. And as you alluded to before, he's doing something with a pitch that no one's ever done. I mean, I caught his interview on because you know the story is magnificent with the book and the the you know the the trials and tribulations that the guy's gone through. I mean, he's a complete Hollywood story waiting to happen, right? Mm-hmm. But I I caught him on Fresh Air on NPR, uh, and he was you know he was there on there to talk about the book or whatever. But because it was sort of a different you know that's a little different than being on ESPN. And R. A. Dickey is a, a pretty erudite uh, you know sort of intellectual guy. But you know what, Steve? It's different. But he's not different. No, 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 absolutely not. But he talked a little bit more about the science of the knuckleball because the audience are not sports fans. Okay. So he was a little more uh, a little more in tune to the fact that the listeners might not have an idea of what the heck a knuckleball is. And so he talked about the science of throwing it and what he's trying to do with the air resistance and the spin and what and where he's aiming it and he's gotten it to where he throws it a little bit harder and blah 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 and it's a it's a, a science, and, and all these guys are in a fraternity, and they, you know, he feels like he's the standard bearer for this fraternity of knuckleballers and stuff. Ha, uh, I got so upset. I mean, it's just so ridiculous to say that this guy's not going to start the National League All-Star game because he's a knuckleball pitcher. He leads in every statistical category in baseball. Sorry, he's tied for most strikeouts in the major leagues with Justin Verlander. I mean, come on. Come on. But you're going to go start Strasburg because he throws 98 miles an hour? Well, good. Knock yourself out. Hope nothing bad happens to his arm in the All-Star game. I mean, just it's it's just a joke, you know? And And half of me hopes they make, well, all of me hopes they make the playoffs. But a part of me hopes he can continue to, you know, look, he's not going to pitch to a 2 ERA or a .15 ERA the rest of the season. You know, that's the thing about the knuckleball. We saw in that game in Atlanta, there are days where it's not going to work. And weather conditions where, and it, weather doesn't conditions where it doesn't work. But if that team gets in the playoffs, Brian, and he's, you know, consistently throwing as well as he has, and this is not out of nowhere. The guy had a decent year last year. He pitched in tough luck. 
And he was very good the year before that. I mean, I think he's been building to this. He has. What a weapon that would be in the postseason, huh? Run him out there three times in a five-game set? Not to mention he screws up the rest of the series. That's that's the big thing. You know, you have to face him in the first game of the series, and you have to make all these adjustments to try to hit the knuckleballer, and then you have Bobby Parnell come in, in the eighth, throwing 98 miles an hour. You know, and then the next day you see Johan Santana, who's got the great changeup. Your, your hitters are all screwed up. I just, I, I that that really pissed me off, really a lot. Well, you know, the whenever whenever someone's successful, there's always a, a faction that looks to discredit them. No matter who you're talking about, you talk about R.A. Dickey, you talk about LeBron James, whoever you want to talk about. There's always, I believe what they call them are haters. Haters, that's right. Haters. You see how we did that? PJ, see how we did that? I mean, that's nice. Yes, it's time for the Radio Unload Fun Load. Brought to you by Subway Story. Tonight at 645. On 1390, on your radio dial, Subway Story. I heard we're going to drop the big one. DiMaggio playing tomorrow? <laughs> hey, conductor, what's the quickest way to the ballpark? Do shine! Do shine! <laughs> Good job, paper here. What's going on? <laughs> oh, boy. Out of the mouth, coach. Get your snot in the mouth, <laughs> That dame's a swell looker. Maybe I should follow her. She's the moon and the stars. I was... I... Me and my friend Homer Bailey here are just going to jump on the A-line, go uptown, and shoot the moon. What kind of gin joint is this? Of course I'm... All right, boys, off the corner. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Somebody's got to be the Irish cop. (laughs) You'd be hanging high to Heyman in the morning. Move it along. Move it along. Move it along, boys. Nothing to see here on the platform. <laughs> okay. Time for the fun load. Enough subway stories for one night. Uh, who knew we could have so much fun with this stupid, stupid sound effect? Say, do you know if the IRT goes to the Copa? <laughs> I'm going to meet the boys at two chores. Ah. Uh, <laughs> tonight in the fun load, we're going to discuss uh, uh, underdogs, Cal. You I, you love this topic. I love this topic. There's this is a few. No need to fear. Underdog is here. Wow. We're getting silly with it today. I'm sorry. Somebody is producing the crap out of this show. Uh, and it, I, 
I would be doing myself and this show a disservice if I didn't produce the hell out of it. Thank you. Explore the space, Peach. Explore the studio space. Cal, why is it that when I watch a game where I don't have a rooted, rooting interest, okay, so uh, I'm watching uh, tonight, if I was watching Oklahoma City and Miami Heat in game five? Five. Yeah. Game five of the NBA Finals, I don't have a rooting interest. Uh, I don't hate the Heat, really, anymore. Um, I think I would root for whoever got down or whoever's down in the series. Automatically. Why is that? Well, there's two schools of thought. And I had a very interesting conversation with, uh, with a member a family member, an in-law, I guess, who is a uh, big-time Yankee fan. All right. An unabashed Tiger Woods fan. Wow. Uh, Huge LeBron James fan. Okay. So I got to, you know, and, and it's something that I've always thought about who do you have in World War Two? Oh, <laughs> the good old U.S. of A. Yeah, I, it got me thinking because you know, and 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 like we always always joke about the fact that we are Met fans and we are Jet fans and we are Islander fans, and why? If you know, sometimes you don't have a choice in the matter. It's just kind of what's passed on to you. But if you do have a choice. Why would you choose a team that always loses with the hope of an occasional win when you could always choose a team that always wins? And then you extrapolate that out to players. Everybody, Tiger Woods has tons of, has tons of, of critics based on a number of things, the, the way he conducts himself on the course, the way he conducts himself off the course, um, just general backlash from all of the press that he's gotten over his career. He's got that group of people. But then he's got the other segment, and this is the argument that they'll, they'll always tell you, I root for greatness. I always want to see greatness. When I, when I watch a sporting event, I don't care about personal issues or off-court, off-field stories. I want to see greatness, and that's what I root for. I root for Alex Rodriguez every time he plays because I want to see greatness. You know, I want LeBron. I don't care about the decision, and I don't care about the way he left Cleveland because LeBron James is the greatest player in basketball, and I root for greatness. And it's a really interesting – that's with this, this guy. That was his argument. He, roots for, he always roots for greatness. He, he watches the Masters. He watches the, He was watching the U.S. Open. He doesn't care who's who's involved. If, if Tiger Woods is involved, he's going to root for Tiger Woods. If Tiger Woods is not involved, the golf could go f itself. So, <laughs> the idea is, you got two groups. You know, you got the group like us. We we root for the underdog. You know, we're we're never going to root. Now, if a great player happened to to play for one of our teams, we're going to root for them. But if we don't have a dog in the race, 
we're going to root for the underdog because, and and I don't mean to speak for you, so speaking for myself, if I'm watching a contest between two teams, I just I gravitate towards the team that might be at a disadvantage because I feel like the upside of that team winning or that player becoming victorious or achieving whatever, I feel like the upside is greater than if I'm going to root for, for the greatness, okay, yeah, they're great. And, okay, the great team won or the great player did what he was supposed to. And so, what's, you know, what, what's the upside there? So I just I, I wanted to bring it up tonight to kind of get your take on it because I I think you you come from a similar mind as me, but also to see if, if you understood that that kind of the parallel thinking between underdogs and greatness and and why one would root for the other. A uh, couple things, and then I I want to ask PJ about this too because I feel like you and I could I totally agree with you. And I feel like you and I could go on the couch here a little bit and let Dr. PJ uh, sort of figure out why why we have this mentality. Because as I as I said, if I if I don't have a dog in the fight, I am immediately rooting for the team that's either losing or at a disadvantage. Unless I hate that team. <laughs> okay. The perfect example of this is the Giants and the Patriots in the Super Bowl when the Patriots came in at eighteen and zero, and the Giants are a huge underdog in that game. And uh, I I didn't know what to do. Is that worst-case scenario bowl one or two? One. Okay. Right. Where the Patriots are on the verge of unparalleled greatness. So I'm, And I hate the Patriots, so I'm not going to root for that. And the Giants then are this unbelievably huge underdog who I'm going to have to listen to for the next, well, turns out only two years. Uh, or only four, four years, yeah. Uh, uh, about them winning this game and beating the great Goliath that is the Patriots. So that was uh, yes, that was no win scenario. Uh, bowl one, as opposed to uh, the World Series of no win scenario, which was Yankees Phillies. Right. Worst case scenario series. Right. Worst case scenario series. Um, I I totally agree with you, Brian about the idea that it's infinitely more compelling to me when the underdog does something amazing than when the great player uh, does what he's expected to do. I, I, don't mean, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but just to, to tie up, and, and it ties into what you're saying, the other argument for the, the rooter of greatness is that the underdog is kind of like a gimmick. And if the underdog is victorious, it kind of cheapens whatever competition is going on. Like, gosh, this thing is a farce if that guy won or if this team won. It's a fluke. It's a farce. It doesn't even count because greatness didn't come out on top. Right. So it's like a complete opposite of, of what you're saying. Yeah, no, and, and you know what? Uh, th- that's a legitimate argument. It, it really is because you look at that Patriots team – uh, in 2007, that was 18 and 0, and you know, Francesca actually had a caller talking about this today, and they were debating something a little different, but it was along these lines. But uh, is that team better than the Giants <laughs> from that year? 
you know, I mean, they were 18 and 0. They were utterly dominant. You know, they lost to a team that barely made the playoffs. So, but the Giants won the championship. So, I I think the only the real problem I have here is that I like Tiger Woods. Like I I I I root for the underdog teams, but I like dominant individual athletes. That's me. Like, yeah. You like Tiger Woods? In a in a team situation, I I find that I lean towards the underdog. But if it's individuals, I like to see the big dog dominate and win. Like if it's swimming, I want to see Phelps win. I don't care about the other people in the pool getting a chance. If That's it's right. tennis, I I want to see Nadal win. I like watching him dominate the court. Yep. You know, if it's boxing, you know, I. I was a little depressed when Mike Tyson lost to Buster Douglas. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I, I feel like there's a differentiation there for me as well with individual, as Al Capone would say, individual achievement. This is a time, well, Robert De Niro as Al Capone said it. Does that count? Sure. Um, but I count, where do you stand on that, though? How do you feel about... Tiger Woods. Like, if you're watching a, a golf tournament, are you rooting for Tiger Woods? No, nah, you know, it carries it carries over for me in, into the individual sports. Now, I think with an individual sport, there's more of an opportunity for domination, like one guy to kind of grab hold of, of the competition and dominate, right? as opposed to like in team sports. But I, again, I'm I don't I'm not a fan. I'm not like a big, I don't have a tennis player that I'm a fan of or a golfer that I'm a fan of or, you know, any or a boxer. So I don't have, you know, that dog in the race that we keep talking about. So for me, it comes back to a compelling story. And, I, and for me, the more compelling story is the underdog trying to overcome the odds to be victorious rather than the guy who's supposed to be victorious dominating like he should. That answers me. Now, I, I I feel like I'm in the minority with all of this, just based on, on people that I talk to. And But I, I, I can totally see you and PJ, where, you, where you're coming from. I, I, I get that thinking. I don't, I, I also, I also don't think for everyone, it's as black and white. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like Cal, I'll give you a couple examples. Like, one of your favorite teams of all time has to be the '86 Mets. That's right. They were dominant. They dominated, but that's because my my favorite team is the Mets. So if you go back in time, the Mets are the underdogs, and they happen to finally achieve greatness. So they're so still for, the underdogs. Well, not not obviously not in '86. They weren't the underdogs, but. Overall, as an organization, the New York Mets are an underdog organization. So that okay. when they finally achieved it in '86, it felt better than if I had been rooting for the Yankees and, and had 20 championships behind me already. Absolutely fair. The other, my, that's my opinion. Right. The other thing I would bring up to you, or the other example I would ask you about, because you can make a great argument on both sides. Like I, I think I fall somewhere in the middle. Like I like underdog teams, but I. 
like I'll give you the example. Okay, Jordan, right? Jordan at, in his prime. He's already dispatched with the Knicks. You know, the Knicks are out of it or whatever. He's going for that sixth ring, and you watch him put up like 45 and 15 and 10 assists. And, like, is that – are you rooting Are you rooting for the Jazz in that game? Yeah, I am. Wow. Yeah. I might be too, but I – It doesn't take away from the performance, and, and the performance is impressive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not discounting it at all. I just wouldn't be rooting for it. I'm not like I'm not behind it. Okay. I'm 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 more passive with the whole thing. And Kelly was I was watching say, Michael Jordan going, "He's so great. He's not so great." <laughs> <laughs> oh, whatever. I could do better. This again, another layup, please. <laughs> Ooh, slam dunk. Ooh, good job. Yeah. Oh, he jumped again. Ooh. Ooh, you're quite a jumper. Uh. <laughs> Guys, I have to ask you this. If you – PJ, you come at it, obviously, from more of the casual sports fan uh, than than Cal and I uh, are. You you always do. So you tend to be a little more level-headed about these things. However, mm. I think you're a bigger fan of individual sports than we are. Like, well, I think you're – yeah, yep. I think you're a bigger tennis guy. You're a bigger uh, golf guy, you know, Um Especially tennis. Now, I loved tennis as a kid. I I watched Mac, and McEnroe was my guy. Oh. You know, when we when we were kids, you had to pick, right? Like you had right. to. Were you a Connors guy? Were you a McEnroe guy? Did you like, right. you know, Bjorg? Did you like uh, Ivan no. Lendl? You know, nobody, you, nobody was ever nobody Lendl. nobody <laughs> nobody picked Lendl. <laughs> did you, because it, well, what you were saying is, if you liked Lendl, you were a communist. Right. I mean, right. it was like Lendl might as well have, you know, had the the sickle and hammer on his socks. He just he just looked like, uh, you know, a Soviet bloc. Yeah, he was athlete. like from Rocky Four. He was like yeah, Drago. Exactly. Right. But I must break you. I I love Federer. I love Federer. Sure. You know, Sampras and Agassi. I picked Agassi. I liked Agassi. You know, uh, because Agassi was more of an underdog to me. Right. You know, Sampras was this machine who was dominant. Agassi was the underdog. You know, McEnroe was sort of more of an underdog to me because he was the the lefty who was skinny and wasn't as powerful as these guys or as athletic, but, you know, was uh, got away on athleticism and quickness, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Chris Everett Lloyd, <laughs> for example. Well, in, t- in tennis... In tennis, you had right. players who dominated so much, you would often have clashes of titans, which was right. awesome to watch. Right. right. It wasn't always that, like, you know, an unseated player made it all the way to the semis, and you had right. a choice. Oh, like Jimmy Connors. Right. But, but that's the thing. Like, that's what Federer always suffers from this, right? Like, Federer suffers from the fact that he didn't have his foil. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't have Nadal till it was too late. And and in, in in the prime when he was dominating, he didn't really have a dominant player to go up against. It was yeah, the the, the men's field was a little bit shallow for a couple thin. of years. But I'll tell you what, I can get behind the underdog. I can all right, I guess I do do it in individual stuff. I just like Tiger. <laughs> I gotta be honest. Like that's the one complete non underdog that I like. I like and Tiger you'll root, Woods. And you'll root, 
You'll root for him then. I like Tom Cruise <laughs> movies. I don't care who knows it. <laughs> this is yeah. This is not like confession. Right. I gotta be honest. I've watched Cocktail at least twenty-five times. That's right. I just said it. There. I feel better. That's right. It's a good movie. It's a guilty pleasure. But Cal, how, how? So how do you reconcile? Okay, I'll give you another one. How do you reconcile those Islander teams? Again, dominant. Dom. Well, you know that's Dynasty. all I. That's all I knew. I was a kid. It's all I knew at the time. They were also underdogs. They weren't underdogs. They they weren't underdogs on the. They were still second class citizens. Second second class citizens, right? Because right. of the Rangers. That's right. So, uh, you can get away with that one. No, but but I mean, like, I. How do you feel about LeBron? I I have mixed. I I I gotta be honest. When I said that before about. Uh, Oak City, and if I was watching it, I'd be rooting for Oklahoma City tonight. Are you kidding? Without okay. a doubt, There's no chance I'd be rooting for the Heat and LeBron James. Now, but do you, but do you are you in the camp where you hope LeBron James never wins a title? Yes, I am. Okay. I I I get if that makes me Johnny Underdog, then I'm Johnny Underdog. Yeah, well, that's 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 kind of how I feel too, and I and I find that I root against teams and individuals more than I root for teams and individuals if I don't have a team in in the in the competition. Right, you're now, rooting against something happening as opposed to Right, exactly. Like I'm not I'm not rooting I'm not technically I'm not rooting for Oklahoma City to win the title. What I'm rooting is I'm rooting against LeBron James to win a title. Right. Now, I got gotcha. you. I don't know. I got another one for you. And the Olympics uh, clearly poses like this is like a big like I like the favorites in the I I wanted to see Phelps win 27 medals. Right. Because that's a twofold there and he I don't care that he's not the underdog. I don't care that he's the favorite. I want to see him make history. See for me with the Olympics the Olympics is different only in the fact that that's where my my nationalism comes in, and right. I will I'll root for the United States in everything. Right, your patriotism Regar- reg- comes in, right. right? Regardless of whether they're dominant or not, it's just I'm rooting for the United States because that's yeah. That no, that I I get that there's unless unless it's a country with only one athlete in one event, and then you start <laughs> like, oh come on, <laughs> come on, give, this, this give it to Belarus. The guy from Belarus is here. Let him go. Wow, we both picked Belarus. What are the odds yeah. of that? Come on, let the let come on, let the Belarus guy win. Come on, you know, the, or at the, least qualify. Let you know, let him let him finish high in the qualifiers, <laughs> so he our, gets to the medal round. Our skeet shooter has like five medals already. Like, right, can like we the, the javelin thrower from Georgia? <laughs> that's right. Come on, <laughs> come on, get cut the the guy's got to go back to Georgia in in in, in uh, Russia. You know, let's let's give him a little something nice. You know, I tend to get behind the Aussie athletes. I don't know why. Yeah. Again, I'm always rooting for the United States. I love the Olympics. My God, love it, love it. Well, we're gonna do that. We're gonna do that other fun load in a couple of weeks. It's a really good one. I'm gonna see if I can get Summer Sanders to call in. Wow. 
And now here comes the question. Who the hell is Summer Sanders, right? No, no, we know who Summer Sanders is. Oh, we know who Summer Sanders is. All right. Yeah. That would be some get. Well, she's she's been around. And she was... uh, You probably shouldn't... You shouldn't, first of all, rephrase that. She's been seen in the building. You probably shouldn't disparage her here on the show. (laughs) Oh, that's Summer Sanders. Ooh. Uh, and she was the host uh, for a number of years of uh, U.S. Olympic Gold, the uh, yeah. U.S. Olympic Committee's show, which they... I uh, I remember uh, working on that myself. My oh, you did? Line. Yes, I did. Oh, that's right. That's going back I a few years. I want to say for the, uh, for the 04 Olympics, probably. Yeah. yeah. She, also, yeah you... uh, she also replaced Willow Bay as co-host with Ahmad Rashad on the NBA Inside Stuff program, your weekly wrap-up of the NBA. That's, yeah, well, that's where she went after the Olympic <laughs> uh, The Olympic people uh, kind of dumped her unceremoniously. And then after that, she wound up toiling on a Nickelodeon game show, Figure It Out. Wow. Somebody's yeah. been following Summer Sanders' career way too closely. But I'm she's, a, looking at Wikipedia she's an Olympic either. medalist also. <laughs> we could also put that on her resume. Oh, well, we should probably lead with that. Right. <laughs> Olympic swimmer, medalist. You know Janet Evans, but... Well, who is, really? Who, who, no, no, who is, really? Who, who's Janet, Janet Evans? Janet, <laughs> Janet, Janet Thompson. Evans. See what I did there? No, Gail seriously. Devers, do any of these names mean anything to you to people? Gail Devers was a runner. Gail Devers was a uh, hurdler, was she not? Or was she a yes. Didn't she no, have very good. Super also? hurdler. She had what? Graves disease. Graves disease, correct. Yeah. Wow. So she's Surprise. not with us anymore. She, no, no, she is. She is. Oh. Yeah. So I just Flo killed jo. off. We lost Flojo. We did that. Uh, I just killed off Gail Devers. That's a good no, question. And, doing, and that's not a great, it's not a deadly disease, I don't think. It just sounds like it is. It sounds awful. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a thyroid condition where you take right. thyroid pills forever. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> How about the old hammer thrower, Al Order? <laughs> See, you know your Olympians. I know my Olympians. Al do you remember? Order. Do you remember Dan and Dan? Dan and Dan. Well, Dan Jansen, uh, Dan O'Brien. The greatest, uh, largest failed advertising campaign. Dave, well, who uh, Dave Johnson, Dave Johnson, Dan O'Brien. Dave Johnson, Dan O'Brien. Yes, Dan and Dave. And that was uh, Reebok, right? 1992. Yeah. The Barcelona Olympics. The Barcelona Olympics. Did Did you guys all say Barcelona? Barcelona. When it was there? Did you? Because I did. That's how you say it. That's how yeah. you say it. Luganus. I mean, this. I mean, well, Luganus is. Come on, that's you know, that's a household name. Luganus. We can wax poetic about the Olympics forever. And we will in just a couple of weeks. But I want to end with this. I want to end this fun load with this, and then we can end the show. Uh, Cal, who is your favorite underdog team of all time? My favorite underdog team of all time? Now, now considering that you and I, for the teams that we root for, we have four Stanley Cups with the Islanders. Right. One world championship with the Mets that we've seen in our lifetime. And that's it. And that's it. So we got. So it's got to oh, be a God. team. It's got to be. It's got to be. Because when the Mets won the World Series, that they were wasn't, not an underdog. They were not an underdog. 
and the Islanders were one of the most dominant dynasties in the history of professional sports. I will tell you my favorite, it sounds strange, my favorite underdog team of all time were the 2001 Arizona Diamondbacks. So it's not a Met team. Not a Met team. Well, oh, oh, I, I was talking about a team that's won a championship. Oh, okay. Let's do that. Okay, good. Good, 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 good. Team that's won a championship, 2001 yep. Arizona Diamondbacks, and by proxy, not because I was a huge fan of the Diamondbacks, but because I wanted the Yankees to lose so badly yep. because it was, it was the end of that run. Yep. And we were also, I have been called a, uh, I, I was called at the time and have been called since a non-patriot. Right. A non-New Yorker. Right. Um, and a uh, sellout and a traitor. Because I was rooting against the Yankees in that World Series. Can I give you my my alternate take on that? And I I wonder if you have the same feeling. Rooting that hard against the Yankees was actually made me feel like I was back into sports. (laughs) No, I'm serious. From from 9-11, you mean? From 9-11. Because, I mean, you have the Piazza thing, which which was, like, hugely emotional. But I still didn't really feel like I was I was back in and, and back at that level that I was before nine eleven. Yeah. And then when that World Series came and I was rooting so hard against the Yankees because I could not bear to see them win again, I felt like wow, now I'm now I'm back, you know? Yep. I, I'm with you. So I absolutely can totally relate to that and agree. I would not put them as my favorite underdog team of all time. That's won a championship, but that's a fan, and not one of our teams, obviously. What is your favorite? Who, doctor? That's a tough one. That's favorite tough underdog one. team of all time that's won a championship. Yeah, that's won a championship. I mean, we really got to go back in the in the. Uh, you know what? I, I, I'll give you this one. I have since uh, come USA to hockey team. Yeah, well, but I was seven, so I can't, I can't qualify it. Uh, I, I don't know if I can. Uh, I've come to sort of hate this team since then, but the '04 Red Sox was with the the comeback from three nothing against the Yankees, and then uh, beating the uh, the uh, who they beat the uh, they beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals? No, that was the second one. In 2004? 2004, they beat the Cardinals? They beat the Cardinals in two. Yeah, they beat the Rockies in 2007. 2000, okay. Is that right? Yeah, because 2007 was that that crazy run for the Rockies. Yeah, where they won like 22 or 24. Right. Yes, but I, I like that underdog. Red Sox team with the idiots and the Johnny Damon and the you know Millar and I've since come to really dislike that that team, mm-hmm. but that year that vintage coming back from '03 against the Yankees and Manny and Big Poppy and you know the only guy I really always hated on that team was Schilling. <laughs> yeah, but Pedro on that team and. Uh, that was I I I like that underdog team a lot. There's yeah. gotta be a, there's probably a hockey team in there that I like more. I'm trying to think of a football team 
that had that won the Super Bowl. That, that I just hate everybody that wins the Super Bowl. I okay. hate it. <laughs> you can't get past it. I just I hate it. They're all <laughs> ruining everything that I want. That's true. They, 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 how about you, PJ? Who's your favorite underdog team of all time? Or player, or individual. Or or individual. Yes. The underdog <laughs> team that tormented pieces and broke my heart was the Buffalo Bills. The yeah. year before. <laughs> The year before their four Super Bowls, when they came out of nowhere and uh, and ended up losing uh, to the Browns in a, in a in a heartbreak, was it 1990? 90 had to be. Yeah, had to be. Yeah, that was one of those where you know you you, you thought you had found the under you, you know the story, the right? Dog team, they were going to do it. Watch how you they tear a, this up. You have a cute little soft spot for the Bills. It's cute. I love the Bills. I know you do. It's adorable. Look at you. You're adorable. All right, well, we have gone 12 minutes over, gentlemen, so let's wrap this up. All right? That's it. Wrap it up. Jeez. Very strict. <laughs> PJ, final unload. Final unload. Diablo 3, a sword and sorcery game that is a life eater, apparently can be beaten within a month. So check back with me in a month, because I just got it and I just installed it. Bye. (laughs) Cal, final unload. I want to say thank you to R.A. Dickey for providing me with one of the most unexpected, enjoyable stories of my Met fan life and I hope it continues but even if it doesn't I'm, I've really been grateful for, for what I've gotten so far and, and it's been a great ride so far hope it continues thank you R.A. Dickey alright and my final unload is uh, the NHL draft is tomorrow night our beloved New York Islanders have the number 4 overall pick I am uh, excited to see what Garth Snow is going to do for the Isles. Uh, we are in year four of this rebuild uh, and actually starting to see some dividends. And I think uh, hopefully the Islanders get a good defenseman or whatever. But whatever they do, do not trade Nino. Keep El Nino. He's going to be good. Trade down. Uh, and I'm, I'm sort of excited about the NHL draft, Cal. I'll be honest with you. You'll have to keep tabs of it from City Field. Yes, I will. I uh, installed the NHL Draft app. Of course. Because I'm a junkie. All right, that's all the time we have. Join us next week. We're probably going to have a guest, maybe even Summer Sanders, maybe even Greg Luganis. Who knows? Anything could happen. Thanks very much. Good night. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.